ladies and gentlemen, this is your main event of the evening. This podcast scheduled for one fall or TV time remaining. Introducing now, hailing from the sovereign nation of Polandon. Follow him on Twitter at Landoz, your host for the evening's festivities, Landon Tone. Yay, and the crowd goes mild. Thank you for the loving and warming introduction, good brother Rab. It's a podcasting day. You know what that means. And I'm joined, as always, by my co-host, my tag team partner, if you will. By God, he is my best friend. We're keeping it shoot here, brothers. It's Will Rab. Rab, how are we doing this morning, noon, or evening? We are, regardless of when you're listening to this podcast, we are in the thick of the stretch run of high school basketball. Uh, I got a, a week left, uh, give or take a day in the regular season, and no more positive COVID tests and another game needing to get yeah, moved, knock on knock wood. On wood. Yeah. And then uh, we go into the district tournaments, and I don't, you know, with, with all due respect, I'm just going to shoot uh, – the teams I'm covering this year are the enhancement talent that uh, do matches on dark. And so uh, it's going to be about a three and a half minute squash and uh, Lance Archer is going to hit the, uh, hit the finish okay. and uh, the, the, the crucifix finish, whatever it is that he calls his, his finisher. I forgot blackout. the blackout. blackout. Yeah. We're going to, we're going to hit the blackout the uh, Saturday before Valentine's day. And then I'm going to enjoy my month off before baseball season. So, I'm in the thick of it right now. I'm in the weeds, but I'm excited to talk about some wrestling and be able to think about something other than uh, two high school basketball teams refusing to uh, come out of the zone like they did for a, a, a half of a basketball game the other night. So anyway. Well, I hate to hear that you're having to cover the equivalent of the chaos theory when it comes to basketball teams. But yes, I'm glad we're able to give you a distraction because it is a fan freaking-tastic time to be a fan of the Sweet Sons of professional wrestling. Not only are we on the road to WrestleMania as the Royal Rumble is in our rearview mirror, but this year, the Royal Rumble kicked ass. Five five matches announced coming into it. The Men's and Women's Battle Royal, uh, Roman Reigns, Kevin Owens, and a last-man-standing contest for the Universal title. Goldberg, Drew McIntyre for the WWE Heavyweight Championship. And then Sasha Banks and Carmella for the SmackDown Women's Championship. Excuse me. And all of them delivered. Like, I, I, I was telling you before we got rolling, I would say I enjoyed 90%, nay, 95% of what was presented this past Sunday on the WWE Network, soon to be on the Peacock Network. By the way, holy crap, what a deal for the WWE. Anyway. Very smart move, by the way, by them. Oh, uh, God, yeah. Are you kidding me? Yes. Into, into Peacock. Yeah, uh, the WWE gets a billion dollars for their network rights. They go from the WWE Network, which had an estimated 1.1, 1.2 million subscriptions, to, um, I believe I saw the numbers that Peacock is in at least 24 million homes across uh, America. So, I mean, uh, this is a slam dunk win for the WWE. And not only that, if you're a subscriber to the WWE Network, um, the 
subscription uh, subscription price gets cut in half from $9.99 on the WWE Network to $4.99 on Peacock, plus you get to watch The Office, plus you get to watch Parks and Recreations, 30 Rock, everything uh, that comes with that. Uh, so yeah. yeah, it's the fir- basically the first paid tier of Peacock because there's like different plans. It's yeah, like a yeah. free Peacock plan. I'll just say this. Uh, great deal for the WWE, but now Peacock needs to go get their stuff on the Fire Stick because, like, Amazon's like the one of the last ones. Because uh, I think even Roku at this point has like made a deal with Peacock. Uh, you need to go get your stuff on the Fire Stick so I can download your app and use it because I'm not going <laughs> to watch it on my phone. Uh, I'm not a paid Peacock s- subscriber, but I am a Peacock subscriber because there were some original programs on there that interested me, but. You don't have an app, and I have a fire stick, so get your shit together. Yeah, make it easy for us to watch your stuff. We want to give you money, but if you're going to make us jump through loops, or hoops, loops and hoops, as a matter of fact, we're not going to do swoops. it. Loops and me, on the other hand, I mean, Xfinity is already my cable and uh, internet provider, so guess what? I get to now watch WWE while in between episodes of 30 Rock, by the way. Y'all, y'all need to watch Thirty Rock. It, it, it was a great show. Anyway, if it, who if you haven't ro- ever seen one episode of Thirty Rock at this point, what the hell are you doing with your life? Seriously, it's great. I'm Jack Donaghy. Damn it. <laughs> <laughs> also, it gave us Werewolf Bar Mitzvah. It's spooky and scary. It's boys becoming men, men becoming wolves. But I digress. That all happened in the WWE universe, that whole, you know, buzzword that they like to happen. Then last night, as of this recording, on March, March, wow, I, I, I really want to move this along, uh, uh, can't you see? On February the 3rd, Wednesday, in the year 2021, in the year of our Lord, Macho Man, Randy Savage, we had AEW Presents Beach Break, a very solid episode of AEW Dynamite, uh, starting with a tag team battle royal for a number one contender shot at the Bucks titles at the upcoming Revolution, closing with the main event of Kenny Omega, the Good Brothers, the Impact Tag Team Champion Good Brothers, taking on former AEW champion John Moxley, the Bastard Puck, and Ray Phoenix. And holy crap, that ending. Like, I. We, Wow, what a time to be a wrestling fan. Like, for the first time in a long time, mm-hmm. it feels like Dynamite is the most must-see TV when it comes to wrestling since the, hell, since the Monday Night Wars when you didn't know if Rick Rude was going to show up on one segment of Raw and then end the night on, on WCW Nitro or, or, or X-Pac was going to come out <laughs> as a new member of the uh, of D-Generation X or something wacky like that. Rab, um, holy shit, buddy. Oh yeah, it is a it is a good time uh, to be a wrestling fan. Uh, you can be like me and not be a fan of the WWE's business practices, so you don't give them uh, <laughs> the the time of day. But man, the product in the ring, admittedly, is really really good. We're gonna talk about Beach Break uh, coming up, but uh, Dawes, uh, that was a really good, like you said, really good Royal Rumble on Sunday. And uh, as good as it was to see Edge get the win in the men's rumble, spoiler alert, (laughs) the Vols finally won something. Yes. And it's not a fake championship of life. (laughs) And it didn't five-star heart either. She might have, I think she has a five-star heart. I think that's why she won the rumble. It's not a bad thing to have a five-star heart. 
Oh, absolutely. And then the promo she cut afterwards talking about her parents, like like that right there was some pure 100% babyface stuff. Of course, we're talking about the EST of WWE, Knoxville, Tennessee's very own Lady Vol for Life, Bianca Belair, nearly going the distance, coming in at number three, winning the Women's Battle or Women's Royal Rumble. And it was a fantastic Royal Rumble too. We saw surprising returns from Victoria, uh, Jillian Hall for some reason, uh, Rhea Ripley, who some people said should have won uh, this year's match just because the way they did her with uh, Charlotte Flair last year. I totally get that. But I am so glad that Bianca Belair was the one to pick up the W because she's now heading to WrestleMania. Um, uh, still not positive where she's going to end up, but I like the idea of her versus Sasha Banks because I think that could be great. Now, don't get me wrong. Bianca Belair taking on Asuka could be really, really good, but the EST of WWE taking on the legit boss, Sasha Banks, that that could very easily be the main event of uh, WrestleMania. And since it's over two nights, I wouldn't be surprised if that's the uh, main event uh, for, for night one. Like a fantastic Royal Rumble, and they got it right in Sasha Banks walking away with the win. It is one of the rare things, uh, and maybe not every year, but it is one of the rare things that the WWE still consistently, I think, uh, gets right is the Rumble. And uh, the what it creates coming out of that because they don't tie the Royal Rumble winners uh, to their brand uh, necessarily. Bianca Blair is a SmackDown talent, but if she wants to go to Raw or she wants to go to NXT, you know she can uh, do that. <clears throat> and I, I think again, it, it is one of the things that WWE gets right uh, more often than not is figuring out okay, this is the person we want to win this match. And, you know, quite frankly, the women's division in the WWE, especially because AEW, even though they have some good talent, has never, for whatever reason, been able to get the recipe right as far as the secret sauce with the, not even the booking, but the storylines. Like, they book good matches in AEW in the women's division, but they don't tell good stories yet for whatever reason. Uh, That women's division probably being the best thing the WWE does uh, I'm really excited about uh, the possibilities coming out of this because you have uh, strong champions on Raw and SmackDown in the women's division. Uh, and and Bel Air uh, can tell a good story and, and be a good matchup with either one of them. I'm with you, though. I think she pro- they probably uh, have her uh, and Banks for the, the SmackDown title. And I do believe, like you said, it'll be prominently featured at WrestleMania. And again, thankfully... I like this. I think you figure out a way to make this permanent. Like, if you're going to be there anyway, you have the venue. Uh, and I know it's a little bit different with the pandemic, but I think as big as WrestleMania is, as, as popular as it is, and trust me, uh, the first time it was in New Orleans, uh, you and I looked into tickets and trying <laughs> to go to WrestleMania. <laughs> you Oof. could sell, a, like, if you have it at a stadium, let's just say holds, you know, they configure it to hold 60,000 people. Mm-hmm. You could, but you would sell a hundred and twenty thousand tickets. You would do it, even if you only like endeavored when you take it back out on the road and you go somewhere and you set the venue up to have thirty thousand people there or forty thousand people there. 
You can sell 80,000 WrestleMania tickets. You can do it. Oh, easy. So, I like the idea. And then again, maybe it opens it up to be able to have WrestleMania in more places. Like, if it, since Nashville's never going to get their ish together, uh, and, and the one thing Amy Adams Shrunk is wrong about in life is that she doesn't see the need to, like, drastically overhaul Nissan Stadium and, and make it a place that can, you know, hold things other than football. Maybe oh if they God. have two-night WrestleManias, maybe you can do it in Nashville now because you could run it at Bridgestone and have 20,000 people a night and, you know, still be able to make a spectacle out of it or something. I don't know. So, also, anything that keeps us from having to devote eight straight hours. Like, I oh can't even God. binge TV for eight hours. Like, <laughs> Shana and I... Shane and I just like literally in like five weeks watch six seasons of Shit's Creek. Uh, now they're only like twenty-one minute episodes because it's a thirty-minute sitcom. Yeah, and cut out the commercials. Yeah, and cut and the commercials to cut out watch on Netflix was like twenty-one minute runtime. Like I watched like four, I watched like three or four of those episodes, maybe five on a binge-heavy day, and like we're ready to go do something else. Like I was amazed we sat there Sunday. Uh, and watched all four episodes of the Night Stalker documentary, and like that was like a four-hour investment, and like that was even a bu- that, that would like I'm not giving like I'm not giving you eight hours of my life. I'm not even doing that for football. Like I will watch a football game and then go do something else, and then come back and watch like the primetime game. Like, yeah, it's just I'm not doing that anymore. So I like WrestleMania being on two days. It Amen. makes it feel big. Uh, and the grandest stage of them all should feel big, and it should be a multi-day like celebration. Yeah, like I, I, I hate the circumstances that we're in that has caused the WWE to go to a two-day uh, WrestleMania type event. But you, but you nailed it on the head. Like if if Raymond James Stadium holds, for example, sixty thousand or eighty thousand, you know for a damn fact, if if the whole world wasn't still currently burning. They could sell that some bitch out twice and double their profit. And like uh, you, you mentioned Nashville when you the the thought of a WrestleMania in Nashville made the hair on my arm stand up. And unfortunately, I think with the uh, Nissan Stadium situation, it will hinder that a whole lot. But I mean, it's like you could stick like the NXT takeover that would end up being on on that Friday night if WrestleMania goes Saturday, Sunday. Stick that in Bridgestone. And you and I know how loud that place gets when the Preds are on fire. Could you imagine that uber wide hot NXT crowd in Bridgestone Arena? And then the next day, and then the fall or the uh, day after that, they pack them into like, uh, let's say somehow they end up getting like a ninety thousand, a hundred thousand uh, stadium built for the Titans that that could do stuff like uh, host a WrestleMania. I mean, they're they're going to Hollywood in a couple years, and they're going to be using the the, the Rams and Chargers. SoFi, yeah, SoFi, which that place looks fucking amazing. So like again. Pie in the sky dream, something to talk about probably several years down the road when it comes to uh, I guess this podcast. Um yeah. It's a it's a the point the point is it's a happening and we've seen it. There's a reason uh, all these indie promoters book events during WrestleMania week or oh, weekend yeah. is mm-hmm. because there's demand for it. It is it, it's it is um it's the proverbial field of dreams. If you build it, they will come. And and indie promoters know that wrestling fans from every corner of the globe will come to wherever this is. 
and they will be there for a week, ready to spend their money. Though I do want to pump the brakes on doing WrestleMania in multiple uh, venues spread out across the uh, country because they did that uh, very early in the life of WrestleMania. It didn't turn out so well. <laughs> yeah, they did the multiple events at the different uh, arenas, and then they, you know, they had the one main event in Chicago, and then LA, and, yep. and I think Atlantic mm-hmm. City, and the the fans stayed and watched it on the on the Titan Tron. Anyway, congratulations, Bianca <laughs> Belair. We're kind of getting uh, off track there, but tremendous for her and just excited to see what's going to happen with WrestleMania and, and glad that it's going to be a two-night show because it makes it, cons- it it makes it consumable without having to have this marathon thing, and mm-hmm. I don't understand why when it went to the network, WrestleMania had to grow into being this like six- or seven-hour monstrosity it's kind of almost it's kind of almost like even if i wanted to watch or had time or wanted to watch dark like i'm not going to watch dark anymore because there's like 15 matches on dark tony four fucking hours and it's on youtube but it's for free and i'm like now now i'm good and then like 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 you just saying six to seven hours and me having flashbacks of falling asleep several times throughout wrestlemania this is the biggest show of the year and it's just so dang long and it takes so much out of me like i i take naps throughout the damn show like it's like it's like a it's like a springsteen concert where like (laughs) if you talk to like a springsteen fan like i remember Artie lang explaining this back in the day when he was on stern and I was a big Stern fan. Oh yeah, dude. There's totally pee break songs at a um, at at a Springsteen concert. All right. Well, then maybe Bruce don't play that song, and then I won't need a piss break because yep. you can just play like a 90 minute set. Mm-hmm. Or like I had a buddy at work one time talk about going to a Garth Brooks concert, and it's like, dude, Garth Brooks is a hell of a musician, and I love music, and I like me some Garth. But he played for like two and a half hours, and at some point, I was like, hey, Garth. Uh, shut up. Yeah, wrap it up. I gotta go to work in the morning, dude. Which, by wrap the way, wrap it up there, Bucko. He puts but, on a hell of a live show. I just want to say he, he does. <laughs> he 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 puts on he puts on a great show. But congratulations, Bianca Belair. Interested to see where they go. Will she uh, wrestle the Raw champion, the SmackDown champion? I mean, heck, she could be like Edge and show some interest in NXT. Who knows? Uh, but uh, excited for that. I think it will, at the very least. Uh, be one of the co-headliners on one of the nights of WrestleMania, and that is a win for Danny White and Josh Heupel, even though they had <laughs> nothing at all to do with Bianca Blair, Belair, and they were not there when she was at UT. But uh, feels like '98, baby. And V O L S, go false, go. <laughs> now, on the men's side of things, we already alluded to it with the Rumble match. We'll talk about that, Dawes, and I think we'll run through the other results afterwards. Edge mm. won the Royal Rumble, entered first, correctly? Yes. Right? Was entered, number one in, in. Entered number one. Randy Orton was number two. They announced it on the bump or uh, backstage the night before, which I understand they wanted to draw some eyeballs to that program. I'm kind of disappointed they did so because the in, like the oh my god moment of Edge coming out at number one, then the antagonist that put him out on his comeback last year, Randy Orton, coming out right behind him through the curtain. That would have been such a moment. But I mean, still, they they damn delivered in this matchup. 
So Edge comes out number one. And look, that's a cl- I kind of understand a little bit what they're trying to do because like that's a classic storyline when you're trying to tell like this story. Like there's been guys who will step up and say, "Hey, I'm going to enter myself uh, into." Uh, the Royal Rumble, and like supposedly they're supposed to be like a random draw for positions, but guys will just say, screw it. Hey, I want to make a name for myself. I'm yep. going to enter number one, and I'm going to earn this. But you're right. Th- the pop that – the and, and again, they're in the Thunderdome or whatever at Tropicana. <laughs> yeah, Thunderdome 2, Electric Boogaloo. The, the pop would have rivaled mm. when Sting showed up at AEW. I believe because yeah, sure. We know edge is going to be in the rumble. Orton's going to be in the rumble, but to not know who's going to walk out first and you hear that and you hear edges music hit like that would have been a great moment. Oh my God. Yeah. Like I, I, I do not disagree with the point you made about how it sucks that crowds aren't there because last year we got to see that. Oh my God. Edges back moment with a crowd at uh, the Royal Rumble, one of the last big events the WWE ran before the world got shut down due to COVID. I feel like there's somebody else in this Rumble that got gypped on having that, oh my God, you're back pop. And that is Edge's kayfabe brother, yes. his real life best friend, Captain freaking Charisma, Christian baby. Oh my God, that was that was so amazing. And then we had the moment of the Edge and Christian reunion in the ring, both of them locking eyes, realizing, holy shit, dude, we made it back, and they go for the hugs. I'm man enough to admit, there were there were ninjas in my condo chopping onions, and, and there was uh, my allergies were acting up. But yeah, got a little bit misty in the Casa de Dodds when that happened. That was such an amazing moment. And I mean, Edge obviously went on to, to win the dadgum thing, so he had a hell of a run. Christian had a pretty damn good run too, making it to the final four. And there for a second, I was like, holy shit, maybe, maybe they will give Christian that run. I mean, obviously it didn't happen, but still like, like that, oh, I would have paid money for that Christian return to be in front of an audience. Oh yeah. Absolutely. Like, that's right up there with our, our, uh, buddy up there in the sky, uh, Brody Lee, not getting to work in front of a, a crowd. In no his, kidding. His yeah. Coming, w coming back in front to, of his home crowd in Rochester. Yeah. Um, but it, awesome to see Christian back. Uh, I, I'm, I'm glad the, the, the mayor of Knoxville, uh, got eliminated. Kane can suck it. <laughs> yeah. Um, uh, I, I did enjoy, he can, uh, he see, can, he, he see, can, re- he can real life suck it along with like uncle Jake. All right, I, I I I do not agree with his political stance. So so I see where you're coming from. I did kind of pop when we got a momentary team hell no reunion when him and Daniel Bryan yeah, yeah, went yeah. for the hug and then Kane immediately turned on him. By the way, real life Glenn anti mask. Real life Kane totally masked. Anyway, uh, that's neither here <laughs> the nor there. I, the irony there, but hey, also cool. Uh, Carlito was back. Holy crap! Eating apples. Car, uh, apparently an apple a day will get you fucking jacked because Carlito was <laughs> built. Man, like, I, I, I hate think- that he didn't have a longer run in the Rumble. Uh, there's a rumor going around that he's on a three-ish week contract, similar to what MVP was last year. Of course, MVP then parlayed that three-week contract into being one of the most important players on Monday Night Raw, leading the Hurt business. So hopefully we can see something like that for Carlito, because Carlito is 
well, he's cool for the lack of a better word. And I am super excited to see uh, and, see what he can do. And, and I don't think I appreciated him mm-hmm. nearly enough in his first run in the WWE because you get caught up in the character and the storylines and him kind of being a heel. But uh, Carlito's awesome. Oh, absolutely. I, I just hate that we didn't get to see him spit uh, an apple into somebody's face, but I do understand with this whole uh, <laughs> pandemic man. thing going on, you don't necessarily want to be spitting into people's face. Though now that I said, I don't know if we ever really wanted to be uh, have people spit in each other's face to begin with. Anyway, how do how do we know that somebody in Wuhan, this all didn't start because they were spitting apples at each other? <laughs> well, Will Rab, we don't know. So if you if you want to feel free to start that rumor, uh, go for it. I will back away from the <laughs> microphone. <laughs> I'm just having fun. I'm not trying to be xenophobic or anything. I know. I They're know. investigating, trying to figure out where coronavirus started and where did they go. Anyway, uh, uh, <laughs> I'm sorry. I'll stop. But, no, no, that's that's totally fine. We also saw the return of Seth Rollins, another uh, person who made it to the final four, uh, coming back as the Messiah. So some people were speculating after he and the man, Becky Lynch, gave birth to a future uh, WWE champion, they would give him kind of a baby, baby face rub. Clearly not, because anytime somebody uh, labels themselves the Messiah, people are going to treat him like a heel. So, I mean, uh, interesting to see what Rollins is going to do uh, coming back. Though, my only negative with this Royal Rumble is my major gripe with how any wrestling promotion in this modern era books a Royal Rumble. We even saw it mm-hmm. in the women's match when uh, Billy Kay came in, I believe, at number five. No, number four, excuse me. Instead of getting into the ring, she went and sat at ringside and hung out on the outside for the next several picks. Um, we saw Randy Orton and Edge brawl to the outside. Edge hits the Executioner DDT onto the announce table, and uh, Randy Orton is stretchered out or is carried to the back by officials. And then just when we think Edge uh, wins the Royal Rumble by eliminating uh, Seth Rollins, Oh, surprise, RKO out of nowhere. Randy Orton was never eliminated. And, of course, Edge ends up winning. But I am so damn tired. I feel like we've had this conversation before. We, I'm we so, have. Ex- exactly. Thank you. That's why it felt like Dujave. Um, of this whole, like, all right, I'm going to go out under the bottom rope or I'm going to go out under the middle rope and I'm, I'm, I'm going to do crazy, stupid bullshit on the outside and then, oh my God, I'm back at the end of the match. Like, thankfully, Randy Orton didn't win it because that would have made me roll my eyes. Uh, not just necessarily because it would have been Randy Orton winning another Royal Rumble, but the manner that it went about it. I like I I saw somebody on Twitter suggest like it needs to be like like the wrestling rules are needs to rule across all federations, all promotions, whatever you want to call them. If you go out under the bottom rope, under the middle rope, you have a bazillion referees on the outside. Institute a 10 count. And if you're not back in, in that 10 count, get the fuck out. You're eliminated. I am so tired I, I, of this. I was literally fixing to suggest that. So I'm glad other people <laughs> are, are thinking this. Like, I, again, it, it's, it's one of those things, right? And I, I think back to uh, probably about a month ago, I was uh, listening to a podcast. Uh, Jericho uh, was talking with Cody, and this was after... I listened to it because it was after Brody had passed and wanted to hear what uh, Cody had to say about working with Brody because they worked extensively. But they were just talking about booking in general. And there's all these tropes that you have 
uh, in wrestling, right? Like these rules on how you book a match, and you know, uh, you always got you always got to set the you always got to set the baby face up to make his big comeback, and then until they don't, right? Because like that time, uh, the, the the one where Brody won the title, uh, Cody was like, dude. Just squash me. We're going to have a squash match in the main event because it's going to make you look badass. Yeah, it did. And, and it did. Um, and, 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 and I don't know if this is a rule of the Battle Royal. And I think it's just something that's just... I, I, I'm just going to say I think it's just lazy booking. Is le- They did it. They, they've done it. And there was... I think like the first couple times you do it, it's like, okay... Well, that's something different because you're not expecting it, right? Mm-hmm. But I'm with you. I'm with. I'm with you now. That I, I think there needs to be something at the very least at the beginning of the match because, like you talked about in the women's match, the one wrestler comes out and she just refuses to get in the ring. Yeah, Billy Kay goes and sits at the announce uh, table. Uh uh-uh. uh When the bell rings, you have 10 seconds, 15 seconds. Like the Royal, the, the Rumble has somebody entering every 30 seconds anyway. Well, kayfabe anyway, but yeah. Kayfabe <laughs> every 30 seconds. But uh, you got to get in the ring. Now, I kind of want this quote-unquote finish to go away for a while. It's kind of like I think AEW has a problem. Sometimes they do the Dusty Schmaws too much. Um but the whole thing, like, Orton gets stretchered out and then sneaks back into the ring later. Like, I think every now and again, like, it would be fine. But wrestling's problem is they have trouble with moderation, right? Because mm-hmm. they're, they're always looking for that surprise finish. And we'll talk about it when we talk about the beach break uh, tag battle royal. Is the thing I kind of like with that is they weren't insulting your intelligence. They just had a good battle royal among the tag teams and there weren't gimmicks. There wasn't, Oh, well this guy wouldn't go hide under the ring or that person never came in. Like they just had a good battle Royal and it was fun. (laughs) And I'd wish we could get back to that. Yeah. A thousand percent agree. It's like you talked about like maybe this finish, if it was used in moderation, it would have been okay. Because I remember the first time that I saw this finish, it was the Royal rumble where, uh, Steve Austin entered at number one. Vince McMahon entered at number two, and they go brawled into the women's bathroom. And um, and and Vince spent most of the match at, at the commentating table. And I was like, okay, this is different. This is this is kind of cool. That's telling a story. But the fact that we've seen this in pretty much every battle royal, or at least every other battle royal over the last little bit, it's like hell. They they used uh, this spot last year in the women's battle royal when Zelina Vega went and hit under the ring for several entrants, and then, of all people, Hornswoggle was the one that scared her back into the ring and got eliminated. It's like, this finish, if you're not going to use it in moderation, and like you said, uh, wrestling has a problem of moderation, if you're not going to use it in moderation, just stop using it, or or at least give it like a 10-year moratorium so when it does happen, be like, oh, okay, all right, well, well, this feels fresh, this feels different, because by that point, we haven't seen it in, in, in a decade or so, but it's like, I am so well, dang tired of this finish, but <laughs> it, it's kind of like, you know, the reason that the lumberjack match exists is to number one, it's supposed to keep away outside interference, right? Like it's, it's a tool to kind of mm-hmm. give the face a leg up. 
But number two is to keep the heel from dilly-dallying outside the ring and getting counted out so he can keep his championship. So I'm not saying we need Lumberjacks outside of the Battle Royal, but as you said, when you have a Royal Rumble, when you have a Battle Royal, all the referees are out there. It's not that hard to know, okay, like last night at Beach Break, and then we're recording this the Wednesday after Beach Break, or Thursday after Beach Break. I can't keep, can't keep my days together. <laughs> Whatever after uh, Beach Break. The day after Beach Break. Okay, you had 10 teams. There's 20 people. Uh, I, you know, the AEW kind of does the thing where they have them all start start outside the ring, kind of like the Le Mans style start where back in the day at the, the, the race in France, you had to run to your car and hop in and start the car. Um, they obviously don't do that anymore because it's not very safe. I was going to say, that had to be a liability. <laughs> yes, <nightmare. laughs> yes, it was. Um, now, luckily, it was a 20, it's a 24-hour race, so you can kind of spare 30 seconds to not murder your competitor on pit road. <laughs> or, uh, on the other hand, pit. you could totally try and murder your competitor <laughs> for, uh, for an advantage. Of course, then yeah. you're wanted for murder, but if you win, I mean, you know, it's a fair trade-off. <laughs> <laughs> so, just, you gotta make everybody get in the ring. And, like, okay, so if MJF, like, just to use AEW, for example, if MJF wants to try to play games and hide in the corner or not go in, count the some bitch out, because guess what? The crowd's gonna pop when MJF gets counted out and sent to the locker room. It's, everybody's going to enjoy that, and then Shivani's just going to like lose his mind getting the shit talking. Because uh, Tony Shivani hates MJF. Well, yeah, he's he's only human. He is only human. But <laughs> you're right. Like you're you're overdoing it at this point. It's like it's just like you know, and it's fine because it's not like there's a yearly wrestling wedding. But you know shenanigans are going to happen at a wrestling wedding. Somebody's going through that cake. You know it. Somebody's going through the cake. Somebody's coming out of the cake. Uh, uh, A present might be a booby trap. Yeah, (laughs) there there might be a a, a jilted lover or a secret... Uh, se- secret like lesbian lovers gonna show up. Yeah, that was a weird Vince Russo because Vince Russo wrote it, and he's a degenerate. Yeah. Just stop going back to the well. Like the whole thing is, and it's not that it ruins it. It just doesn't make it as good as it could be. Like I know the psychology of how you put a wrestling match together. You watch enough of them, you know how it's gonna go, and then like you know. It's going to start out, and the, the face is going to be fired up, and then the heel's going to dominate the middle of the match coming out of the first commercial break. And then the baby face is going to make their comeback. You're going to go into the false finishes, and then we're going to get you being not – you're not going to be sure when the pin's going to come, and then it just it comes out of nowhere. Like, that's fine, but just because there is kind of like a formula and a rubric of how you do things doesn't mean you can't change a piece or here or two. So, like, stop going back to the well with this gimmick amen a freaking man and uh, that's really my only negative on what was otherwise a really damn good royal rumble and i mean like like i would say that's nitpicking but i feel like that's kind of a bigger 
problem when it comes to battle royals, royal rumbles that just kind of need to be addressed. Of course, you know, as you and I know, Will Rab, and you, the lovely listener, we are definitely trendsetters when it comes to the world of professional wrestling. Tony Khan, Vince McMahon, Triple H, uh, the head of New Japan, they hang on every word that we have to say. Well, I mean, we're the people <laughs> consuming the product. So if, like, the fans are out on this thing that you're doing that's just kind of stupid and, like, everybody knows, like, it's going to happen now, it's not really a surprise. It's more of, like, a disappointment because it's like, okay, oh, yeah, that's right. Hey, look, Edge thought he won, and now Randy Orton's going to come out here and give him an RKO. It's like, just oh, not, here we go again. It, it's not cre- it's not creative anymore. No, Edge overcame it this time, so that was good. At least it wasn't like, oh, Randy Orton snuck out of nowhere and won the Rumble and stole it again. Edge goes the distance, goes an hour. Uh, first entrant wins the Rumble. And at first, again, you're thinking, okay, here comes the veteran, and he's going to get a run. And I, I was kind of okay with it because at least it's like, hey, we know Edge is pro- – you know, Edge is – Edge is on the back nine of his career. He's head, he's heading towards the 19th green, and he's going to enjoy an Arnold Palmer here uh, pretty soon. Like he He's on one of his, his final runs. So at least he's going to get to go headline WrestleMania again. But the more you look at it and the more you see the direction he's going, I really like it. You know, Edge shows up on NXT, and... He didn't say he's going to wrestle somebody from NXT, but he's considering it. And I think that would be really awesome, whether it is Finn Balor or Pete Dunne, uh, that uh, mm. end up with the NXT Championship after Vengeance Day. Uh, for one of those guys to get to headline WrestleMania with Edge, we need more of that in pro wrestling. It's something AEW is really good about and cognizant with some of their bigger name stars of trying to use their star power to build the next generation instead of just getting a quick check like Hogan and everybody in WCW. Uh, mm-hmm. But this has got me all 1,000% behind Edge. Yes. Um, mm-hmm. Winning the Rumble. I'm yeah, I was I was there immediately. I know I know you just talked about how you kind of had to come around to it. And I've seen a lot of people online kind of have the sentiment of it's like, oh, well, 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 you took a dump on Goldberg coming back and challenging uh, against Drew McIntyre, which we'll get to in a second. And 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 now now you're loving on edge. It's like like you hypocrite. It's like, well, like and and. Rab made reference to, you know, Hogan and WCW. No, uh, that doesn't work for me, brother. I'm going over, brother. And then, like, I already mentioned Goldberg, where he, if if reports are true, he literally talked Vince McMahon into giving him the strap last year, killing the fiend in in, uh, Blood Money in the Bank over in Saudi, Saudi Arabia so he could drop it in his very next match against what was supposed to be Roman Reigns, ended up being Braun Strowman. But Edge is a completely different character when it comes to that. Like not on, like like not only does it seem like he's here to play ball. He showed up on NXT uh, to give the possibility of uh, taking on Finn Balor or Pete Dunne. Though I think they may have booked him just to go counter against AEW Beach Break. But they're still giving that appearance. Um, if if he goes and fights Roman, if he goes and fights Drew McIntyre, you have to remember. Edge's career was pretty much stolen from him. On one Sunday, he beats Alberto Del Rio, defending his uh, World Heavyweight Championship in WrestleMania. 
The very next night on Monday Night Raw, he has to announce to the world that he has to drop the strap because the doctor told him if he takes a bump the wrong way, he could be paralyzed. So Edge's prime was stolen from him. It was stolen from us is the wrestling fan. So in the combination of that and the fact that he does want to come and it seems like put over new stars, build up new people. Hell, the fact that he got in the ring, even if he doesn't end up fighting against Finn Balor or Pete Dunne, who are both fantastic stars on their own, the fact that he's already shown up to just give them that rub, I think is awesome. I And, and I... Oh, yes, Edge is back, baby. And 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 this doesn't seem to be, it's just like it, it's a run to WrestleMania and then he's done. For, in, in all the interviews he's given, like Edge seems like he's in for the long haul. Now, I don't know if we're going to see him week in, week out, but it's like, I have a feeling we're going to see him more often than not. And by the way, Christian yeah. is also not on a, on a somewhat long run contract too. So uh, Captain Charisma is back, baby. And, and also, look, here's the difference. It's not Goldberg parachuting in for a payday, like you say, at Blood Money in the Bank. Or going to a spot at WrestleMania. And here's also the other thing. Uh, Oldberg, as we really should call him, uh, (laughs) is so old and so out of shape. You build up a championship bleeping match. And you open the show with it, which, again, I think is great. I think it's one of the great things that AEW does. They don't throw you two jobbers there to open the show. Uh, They open it with big matches. And they usually give you that opening match uh, either limited commercial interruption or no commercial interruption. But you open the Royal Rumble pay-per-view with a WWE Championship match, and it went 2 minutes and 32 seconds. Yep. Because that's all Goldberg can do. It took him longer <laughs> to get off the shitter and walk down the hallway with the Goldberg music playing. Like, it, like, seriously, like, time it. Like, go watch a UFC, and the next time they like they do the walkout because they walk from the locker room to the octagon, it takes longer than two and a half minutes. And he also had his security, which is like, there are no fans in the crowd. Why do you need security? Maybe he's scared of the computers, man. You never know these days. Oh, that's true. He, uh, Big tech. He, he is a boomer, and some, some of them are very afraid of uh, technology. By the way, mm. you called him Oldberg. I think you could also call him Papa Roydy Magoo. That's just what Papa Roydy Magoo. What I've been calling him. But it's like, so yeah. yeah ma- but like, what, so whatever. The match of the match. You need to match in the car. You need somebody for McIntyre to work against. But what good did it do anybody? You built this match up, and then they had a two and a half minute match. Because Goldberg can't even go three minutes. The important part is. Goldberg didn't walk out with it because I already made a reference to uh, his blood money in the bank match against the fiend where he just killed the aura of the fiend just completely destroyed this uh, this Michael Myers monster that the WWE had built up built up one of the few highlights that creative has done over the last decade the most important part is a Drew McIntyre walked in and walked out with the strap and B like I think Drew actually kind of looked good here because he got everything that uh, Goldberg uh, could throw at him. Granted, it's like four moves, but and he nearly uh, messed up the jackhammer again. But like, I I think the fact that Drew was able to kick out of the spear, the jackhammer, and then was able to put a claymore through uh, through Goldberg's face, I do think this makes McIntyre look good. I'm glad they kept it to three minutes. And yes, that's. <laughs> mostly because Goldberg was gassed halfway through it, but keep it short, keep it sweet. McIntyre looked like, looked like a a hoss. And hopefully this is the last time we see Papa Roydy Magoo. 
Hey, got any other thoughts on any other matches on the car before we uh, take a pause and uh, come back and talk about Beach Break? Uh, I do want to give a shout-out to the uh, WWE SmackDown Women's Championship match. Sasha, Sasha Banks defending successfully against Carmella. Um, I've come around on this iteration of Carmella. This feels very similar to what they wanted to do with uh, Emelina a couple years ago. Uh, this hoity-toity, I, I'm better than you because I'm pretty character. Um, I like uh, the fact that uh, Carmella has her sommelier Reginald to play off of. Um, it was... It was it was it was a fine match. It was it was fun. Uh, I did think at one point Carmella killed herself when she went for a uh, suicide dive between the ropes and landed on her face, and then her body folded like an accordion on her neck. So that was scary. Um, Speaking of, ooh. I for a second uh, thought that Thunder Rosa killed herself last night. Oh yeah. Well, we will get to that in the next segment. I have some opinions on that match. Mm-hmm. Um, Please, wrestlers, take care of yourself. Like, like we're we're just stupid jabronis behind a microphone, but we really enjoy watching you on TV, and we definitely enjoy watching you more when we don't think, "Oh God, that person's dead." But uh, yeah, it was it was it was it was a fine match. It was it was fine. It it uh, it kept Sasha Banks hot. Uh, Carmella will probably still be lurking in the background. Um, I do like the fact out of this um, feud we got to see some intergender mac- uh, action. I almost called it maction, like it's a Thursday night on ESPN. Uh, intergen- maction, baby. Yeah, uh, intergender action between Reginald and Sasha Banks. Um, and Sasha Banks had a killer uh, head scissors on Reginald at uh, this past. Uh, Royal Rumble, but yeah, it's a fine match. And uh, that, ladies and gentlemen, yeah, that, 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 that was the Royal Rumble. Great, hey, great give paper. All view. the results, uh, real quick. I'll just run through them and then uh, you can give another closing thought if you need to. Uh, Nia Jax, uh, Shanna Baszler uh, defeated Asuka and Charlotte oh, Flair. Oh, yeah, that happened. Tag match on the pre show for the Women's Tag Team Championship. So, you know, that was a thing. Uh, like we said, McIntyre defeated Goldberg. Because uh, all you really got to do is just wait for Goldberg to get tired. Uh, and, then tuck, and then tuck Papa Roydy McGee into bed. Uh, banks over Carmella. She retains the Women's Championship by submission. Which apparently is the new softer way to uh, beat people without having to get into shenanigans. Uh, apparently uh, getting choked out is, is not as devastating as getting pinned cleaned in the middle. Uh, but whatever. I'll just, you know, that is what that is. Wait, holy crap. Did... Did we talk about Roman Reigns, Kevin Owens? We did not. So I will oh, let you have a thought on that yes. real quick. Uh, again, Bel Air wins the Women's Rumble. Edge uh, wins the uh, Men's uh, Rumble. So we'll see. You know, they pointed towards the the the, the Buccaneer sign. Oh, everybody pointed at WrestleMania his, sign. He, he said, everybody he said point. pointed at your WrestleMania sign there, Bubba. Yep, I'm doing and it. And then uh, Roman... Uh, with this special advocate, Paul Heyman, defeated Kevin Owens' last man standing match for the Universal Championship. Uh, The build for that, like you sent me a a Twitter video that Kevin Owens posted a couple weeks ago that was like a work shoot. Whew! That was a... There was some good storytelling going into that match. Like, ever since Roman Reigns has come back as this heel character, as the tribal chief, as the head of the table, there's a reason I said that last year... Roman Reigns was my wrestler of the year, despite the fact that he missed a good chunk of the year, rightfully so, protecting him and his family from the COVID virus. Oh, man, the buildup to this match, this last man standing match between Kevin Owens, 
Like, this is one of the better last man standing matches I've seen in a long time. Yes, I will go ahead and say this. The ending was kind of botched because uh, Paul Heyman and Roman had some issues using a key to unlock uh, the handcuffs and stuff like that to the point where the referee stopped at a six count and then just walked off screen so Paul Heyman could uh, could un- unlock his handcuffs. But everything up until that point was just insane. From the opening bell, these two just were potatoing the fuck out of each other, um, beating each other all over the Thunderdome to the point where Kevin Owens gets run over by a golf cart. And yes, Rab, I know before you say it, like like a South Park episode, talking about how the Simpsons did it. And oh, no, no, did no, it. no, no, no. I wasn't going to do that. Okay. I was actually going to clown everybody. For getting all pissy about that. Oh, look at that. Yes, yes. My Cause, buddy, Will cause, Rab. Because God dang it, y'all. Like, it's tw- it was 2020, and uh, Tony Khan and his infinite wisdom, uh, in what it was, uh, Kenny and... Matt. Uh, Kenny and Matt. Uh, they're the first people to ever think to use a golf cart as a goddamn weapon. Jesus Christ. Yeah, it's it's not like they tried to Mr. do it at Slave. WrestleMania X7 or the fact that ECW totally did use it as a weapon back in the day with Tommy Dreamer. But uh, Or, I mean, <laughs> how many different things did Stone Cold Steve Austin drive to the ring? Now, granted, he didn't run Vince McMahon over with a beer truck. <laughs> I mean... Uh, Stone Cold used to chase people down the ramp with the damn four-wheeler. Like, yep, it's did. okay. It's okay, y'all. Like, I'm going to drive my four-wheeler around the ring, and I'm going to drink me some Steve Weiser's. Oh, hell yeah. Did you see him talking with uh, Pat McAfee the other day? Yeah. Uh, he put and, him and over. Talking, to, <laughs> talk, talking about drinking drinking Steve Weiser's, and there was only, like, one time that it was non-alcoholic beer because, like, the arena made him use non-alcoholic beer. <laughs> because of insurance and he was out there one night and uh the timekeeper uh they you know because they would just go, tv would go off off the air and they'd stay out there for like 10 minutes drinking beer oh absolutely and, Steve, and everybody and Steve stunners. said they went through like 120 beers sounds about right by the way a person that needs to be in the wwe hall of fame is the guy that was able to lob beers across the ring to stone cold steve austin because like I, I think I can count the uh, number of times that I saw him miss the throw on like maybe two hands, maybe, yep. maybe, maybe one hand. The timekeeper for the WWF back in the day could have played quarterback. No kidding. I mean, hell, if Lance or Archer could, could have been a damn uh, uh, quarterback, that ring keeper definitely could have. <laughs> so anyway, the, the point is, if you're going to get mad that that the WWE ran somebody over with a golf cart, then you're also going to get have to get mad that every wrestling match ends with somebody getting pinned. <laughs> I know, and even though you like to dunk on him and clown on him, good old Uncle Jay, he is right. If it's good in wrestling, it'll be recycled about every 10 years. And okay, we didn't wait 10 years for uh, in between the lead-up to Stadium Stampede to uh, Roman Reigns just obliterating Kevin Owens with the golf cart oh, yeah. going through the they windshield. Were, That's a hell of a bump from KO. They were having a last man standing match. Exactly. If I was in a last man standing match, I'd kayfabe hit somebody with a car. But like, now, and I then, mean, if you, ugh. if you, if you, if you full, I mean, like if you full on rip off like the Judas effect or again, 
like the AEW had the stadium stampede, and so the WWE literally at their next pay per view does an empty stadium match, like a team empty stadium match, and just flat rips it off. But like of all the spots to get mad about, that is just so stupid. I know, like, and and that goes to this whole like internet wrestling community tribalism that ever since AEW came about, it's like you 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 can't enjoy both products or products from multiple federations. Like, like if you're of that mindset, take a deep breath. Like wrestling is fun and stupid. If like, if you're the same age of me and Rab, we grew up enjoying a dude that was an undead mortician. We enjoyed watching a, a dude that was uh, oranger than Donald Trump wearing uh, red and yellow who would take on uh, a freaking G.I. Joe character in Sergeant Slaughter and would take everything that they had and somehow always hulk up and come back for the win, brother. Like, like wrestling's dumb. It's stupid. It's fantastic. So, um... Like, anyway, going back to this match, I love, like, like this was such a damn fun match. We already talked about how KO got just uh, blowed up by a golf cart. That wasn't even the most oh-my-God moment. Like, at one point in the match, Kevin Owens uh, threw Roman Reigns on a table, uh, saw a forklift, decided to put the forklift at the very highest option that it has. So he had to be, like, 15, 20 feet in the air. And then he did a, a, a senton bomb off of the forklift, through the table, which, by the way, AEW, that's how you do that spot safely. Anyway, like, I loved the hell out of this match. Yeah, the the, the finish kind of got botched, but, I mean, again, it's wrestling. It's fun. It's stupid. Just go with it. Um, Oh, Rab, we've got almost an hour on the WWE Royal Rumble. I think this is the longest we've ever talked about WWE, if we're being honest, on this podcast. Well, I mean, they finally did some good shit, pal. Oh, it was such good shit, pal. Wow. <laughs> <laughs> So, um, how I have ab- that screenshot of the cartoon Vince McMahon saved on my phone. Oh, yeah. Like yeah. The devil people. Vince from last year's Firefly <laughs> yep. Funhouse, where it is now WWE canon. It's such good shit, pal. It's like, good shit, pal. Taken from the Talk is Jericho, John Moxley <laughs> interview, where Moxley just continuously, like, like, like Vince Carter just dunking on the WWE, like every other sentence. It's like, yep, okay, that's that's now ours. Like, like WWE is like, that's part of our history. It's like, just, once again, wrestling, it's so dumb and stupid and fantastic. Rab, I feel like I need to take a breath so maybe I can stop yelling into the microphone and yelling at you and the lovely listener. And how about when we come back, we will talk about AEW's Beach Break. Once again, they deliver what I'll call a pay-per-view quality card on free TV. How does that sound? That sounds good. Uh, Near Fall Radio rolls on in just a moment. And now, a consensus of Knoxville media consider him the Ron Burgundy of the East Tennessee Airways. 
Bill Williams considers him to be the most interesting producer in the world. Fans, send him Taco Bell's Star Wars characters because that shit's just awesome. And he was once on the waiting list to tour the Sierra Nevada Brewery in North Carolina, ladies and gentlemen, the host of Near Fall Radio, the Dawes, Landon Tone. Well, hot damn, I don't know how we're going to top that in this segment. Uh, thank you, buddy. I am joined, as always, by the uh, good brother, Rab. Hopefully it was a good break for you. Some uh, bathrooms may or may not have been visited. I uh, My sources cannot confirm but uh, hopefully, you, the listener, are. are I'm gonna. Of- I'm gonna be sending out a memo about that leak <laughs> here shortly on Twitter. Vol Twitter is all over that. Oh my god. Uh, Vol Twitter is maybe the only place worse, or at least equal to, in its dumbassery, wrestling Twitter. No kidding. And yeah, that's like, really uh-huh. ha- that's really hard to do. Yeah, you and I, were part of some very toxic fan bases on Twitter. And surprisingly, Disney Twitter, or as they like to call themselves, <laughs> Diz Twitter, uh, surprisingly toxic. The, di- uh, the uh, Diz Twiz. I'm, I'm, sure, I'm sure there's a, uh, <laughs> a, uh, somebody calling it that, and probably, probably T-shirts available at ProWrestlingTees.com. Um, like, like for, for a group that talks about like, like the most magical place on earth or the happiest place on earth, bunch of a-holes and a lot of racists too. It's like, come on, y'all be bet. Anyway, we're not here to talk about hey, that. They're, they're, they're formed in Walt's image. Oh, don't, allegedly. Don't say that. God damn it. <laughs> <laughs> so, uh. Anyway, um, hard pivot, something, something, AEW, beach break, something, something, <laughs> Rab. Oh, my God. Beach break was awesome last night. They knew they had to bring it. It's the alleged Wednesday Night Wars, which we don't have time to get into this today. But when we hear in a subsequent episode, I, I do want to talk about maybe the potential end of the Wednesday night wars before the end of the calendar year 2021. If you've been following the media news, yep. Uh, push could come to shove Mm -hmm. and NXT might not have a choice, but just to not be on Wednesday night. So we'll just have to uh, see, but uh, I rap real quick, real quick. You know what we call that in the biz? A tease. Damn right. Five st- five star podcasting ability here, ladies and gentlemen. <laughs> uh, but Bre- we Beach finished break- each other's sandwiches. Beach break was last night, and uh, I'm waiting to get the text from him because he couldn't watch it last night. He said he was going to record it, so uh, got a colleague. He uh, he calls some high school football for us in the fall, and kind of does some other spot uh, freelance announcing uh, for us when. Uh, myself or the boss man Rick Tips are are unavailable, and uh, he was a wrestling fan back in the day, and so he was texting me when Hedge won the Rumble, and I was starting to tell him, "Hey, dude, if you really want to get back into wrestling, you should watch AEW." They got stained. And so I was, uh, t- I was t- getting him up to speed. Hey, Beach Break is gonna be really good. It's basically a pay per view on free television, a- and Dawes, this was basically a pay per view on free television. You had some really good matches. Uh, you had a couple of uh, 
you know, you got to have a couple of cool down segments here and there, but uh, Beach Break definitely delivered from the opening Battle Royal through that, oh my God, did that happen main event. Wow. Yeah, like, like, like uh, the beginning of the show and the end of the show, I feel like were obviously the highlights. But I do want to give a shout out to uh, some of the quote unquote cool down matches. Uh, we had some story building in those cool down matchups, one of them being uh, Matt Hardy teaming up with Hangman Adam Page taking on Chaos Theory. I didn't know that was a story I wanted to see, but I want to see where this program, potential program with Adam Page and Matt Hardy is going to go. I mean, like, I, I, I think that's super cool. Um, we got to see the payoff of Thunder Rosa with uh, Dr. Britt Baker, DMD. Maybe in, in, in the in-ring stuff, I don't know if it, uh, if it lived up to the hype, but uh, I'm interested to see where that goes because I'm willing to bet that they, those two ladies, th- this isn't going to be the last time that uh, they square off. We had a wrestling wedding, which is, we all know as wrestling fans, always ends perfectly and then we had just a hardcore damn lumberjack match between the murder hawk lance archer and the mad king eddie kingston top to bottom fun ass card rab where do you want to go and how awesome was it um i'm not look i i I grade on a a tough curve i'm not gonna say it was like an a plus out of the park but it was really darn good like, I mean, it was a definite uh, B plus, uh, maybe A minus, uh, even. It was a really good episode of Dynamite. Uh, you know, let's, let's just, we're not going to necessarily go in chronological order here, but let's start with that tag team battle royal because uh, that was a great way to kick off the night, and I think that set the tone for a good night of Dynamite. And I said, look, there are a couple of cool down matches. I don't really want to disrespect them, but, you know, like you said, even, you know, the uh, Adam Page, Matt Hardy go out there with Chaos Chaos Project, uh, Jericho's buddy Luther, uh, for five minutes, that planted the seeds for a good story. Um, I think I wouldn't uh, have a bad taste in my mouth about the women's match if it didn't look like Thunder Rosa died. Yeah, Uh, yeah, that was uncomfortable. But... Uh, the tag team battle royal, um, I kind of forgot that was a thing for a second, because uh, the show opens and they're playing the new Jungle Boy theme, which I like to hum along to. Oh, absolutely! I cannot wait until fans are uh, back for AEW because, like that thing, the crowd is going to sing along to that thing, maybe to the detriment the entire match. By the way, Austin Gunn. Chill the hell out. I can hear your voice specifically when it comes to all the chants. <laughs> like, tone it back just to scooch. I, I appreciate the hype and the energy you're bringing, but, like, like buddy, come on. You're killing God dang, me. St- God dang, Skid Row, turn the main down. <laughs> <laughs> I was like, oh, what match does Jungle Boy have? And then I saw all the other people. I was like, oh, yeah, that's right. They're supposed to have a tag battle royal. And I was, as I was... We were talking about this pre-show, so I got to set the stage for people now that are actually listening to the podcast. Yeah, the podcast. Uh, We were talking about this, and I was so nervous because they had mentioned the stipulation, and I think they even talked about it on BTE. 
Uh, which, by the way, Good Brothers, like, calm down on BTE, man. Holy smokes. Yeah, speaking of, apparently this uh, uh, episode before uh, Beach Break on Dynamite was apparently the most edited episode of Dynamite ever. Not because of botches, not because of flubbed lines. It was because... The Good, um, the good Brothers are smoking weed before they do moves. Yeah, and uh, <laughs> and Doc Gallows wants to use his uh, tag team title belt as as, as, a, as, as his dick. dick. Yeah, so... You think that was, was that a work or was that a shoot that they had to edit all that crap out? Um, I feel like I saw him swinging the strap between his legs, so to speak. I saw him stringing the strap. I did not see him, I did not see him hit the blunt. Yeah, no, no. I I definitely did not remember uh, seeing them pass the virtual blunt back and forth. Which, I mean, by the way, that's, it was kind of funny because as we know, the Young Bucks are good Christian boys uh, having some fun. And good Christian boys don't they smoke up on the devil's lettuce. So. No, they did not. They did not partake. But the Battle Royal, I'm just going to cut to the chase. I was really nervous that the Young Bucks were going to win and mm-hmm. then we we're going to get like an, N- an NWO finger poke of doom moment. And that's not what I wanted. I want the Young Bucks and the Good Brothers but I want the proper build for it. Like, I want the Young Bucks to get pissed off at Don Callis and Kitty Omega and start some shit with them. And then so the two hired guns, basically, the, you know, the enforcers have to square off with the good Christian boys. Like, I want it to happen the right way, not because the office booked themselves into the main event. Take a hint, Cody. Um, <laughs> so I was glad... Uh, when they were eliminated fairly early in the process. And I was really happy, actually, with the result. Because, number one, what do I want to watch? I love the idea of an MJF-Chris Jericho versus the Young Bucks championship match at Revolution. Hell yes, sign me up for that as just a pure wrestling fan. But then also, for uh, Sammy Guevara to be caught up in the crosshair and the quote-unquote inner circle friendly fire and to continue to plant that seed because Sammy Guevara is totally fixing the turn on the inner circle and he he is going to be huge uh, I think when he kind of turns face uh, against uh, MJF and the bullshit going on with the inner circle right now yeah a thousand percent agree Uh, I much like you when the Young Bucks announced themselves into the tag team battle royal a couple weeks ago, and if they won, they had the stipulation of picking their own opponents, I had this just sense of dread in my stomach. It's like, oh, God, here we go. Because it's like, I, much like you, I do want to see the Young Bucks and the Good Brothers square off because, I mean, they are legit two of the best tag teams going today. But it really, you you use the term, the the front office booking themselves into the main event. And that's what it just screamed to me. So to see the Young Bucks not only get eliminated, get eliminated early, took like just a weight off my shoulders. So I was so much more ready to enjoy that back half of the uh, of this tag team battle royal. I loved the fact that Luchasaurus got this big hoss spot where he was just kicking people's ass and clearing the ring. Um, I love the fact that we got uh, to see Santana and Ortiz there for a second. I thought Santana and Ortiz might 
might have pulled it out. I love the spot between uh, the Good Brothers and Private Party where uh, Isaiah Cassidy uh, ends up being eliminated when they go or, uh, with a low bridge, and then they tried to do the uh, silly string, and the Young Bucks or the Good Brothers were on the outside, eliminated them, and that ended up uh, the distraction of the Good Brothers, which. Uh, Nick Jackson wasn't a fan of their interference, ended up to them being eliminated. I liked that. And then Jungle Boy, just with an amazing performance. Um, but yeah, I, I loved the way that it came down to the end. You had MJF, you had Jericho, you had Sammy, and uh, Max Caster, uh, Darius Martin, and then Jungle Boy. Like, Jungle Boy looked like a million bucks, but the way they continue to tell this story of the inner circle, this inner turmoil, and then you talked about how later in the night, Sammy Guevara was talking about how it always ends, uh, seems to end up with us. And when, when, he, when he mentions us, it's him, it's Santana, it's Ortiz, it's Jake Hager. They end up always being the collateral damage for the inner circle, and Jericho tries to go talk it out with Sammy, you know, uh, talk some sense into him. They go out of the room. You see, like, the devil himself smirk appear on MJF. Mm -hmm. Like, looks and makes sure that they're out of earshot. Hey, guys, maybe we need to talk. Wardlow, move the camera out of the room. Like, I love this story that they're telling. Like, I, like... I agree with you. I think this is going to end up with being Sammy Guevara being just a 100% white meat baby face because, I mean, his his moveset already screams baby face. And when they get back in front of crowds, like the crowds are going to be eating out of the palm of Sammy's hands. But I also think we're going to see a change in leadership at the top of the inner circle because I think this whole time MJF has slowly been... Mm -hmm poisoning the inner circle to the point where they're going to turn on Jericho. So maybe Jericho turns with Guevara, maybe, possibly, I don't know. I'm not sold on that one, but I I, I cannot wait to see where this inner circle story goes. Um, I loved the fact that we ended up with the winners that we did. The, uh, the Dark Order, I thought, had a very strong uh, outing even though they mm -hmm. didn't end up winning uh, with the teams of Stu Grace and Eva Luno, uh, Alex Silver, and uh, the Meat Man, as they were calling him on uh, on uh, commentary. Um, Johnny Hungy. Johnny Hungy. Man, like John Silver, like he has to be the MVP of uh, BTE. But uh, speaking of BTE, how did we miss that there's a new BTE champion. That's right. Yeah, apparently uh, while all this inner promotion stuff is going on, the BTE championship is now being taken to Sammy Guevara's blog. So uh, Sammy's vlog, if you want to see him defend the exactly, car, you got to yeah. watch a different YouTube show. <laughs> How is it that the only shoot championship in pro wrestling is like one of my favorite things? Like every week I'm excited to watch the beat, the ridiculous ways they come up with to have BTE championship matches and hoping that uh, John Silver somehow loses and he always found a way to pull it out of his what? butt until you, he had to kick a field goal. You were hoping that, that Bottle Cap Boy, the uh, Skittles Kid, uh, the Mustard Boy was losing? Like, I was always pulling for Mr. Hungy. Like, like, like and I like John, I like John Reynolds, but like a couple of the people he went up against, it's like, okay, I would have liked them to like, I don't know, 
Any, whatever. Hey, you know what? Nobody else nothing, can give nothing. The, uh, it was nothing against John Silver. I was just like ready for like somebody else to just like have the belt and do something with it. Dude has the best Steve Brule delivery outside of John C. Riley. So like, I am always on uh, Mister Hungy's side. Anyway, um, anyway, killer, tag team battle killer royal. battle royal. Like in a week of good battle royals, mm-hmm. like I. Gun against my head. I don't know if I could have uh, chosen my favorite of the women's Royal Rumble, of the men's Royal Rumble, and then the tag team battle royal because they were all so good, but for different ways. Hey, and ballsy of AEW to do a battle royal of the week of the Royal Rumble. Uh, I'm still going to give the Rumbles uh, the slight edge, but uh, none of these were bad by any means. Like if we're doing start bench cut like they do on a TSL. <laughs> I, I like reluctantly cutting the the tag battle roll, but ooh, it, it, ooh. It, it, it 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 did all of it really well. It establishes the feud for Revolution, Jericho MJF versus the Young Bucks. It put over young talent and it advanced some storylines. Uh, so, uh, really, really good. Um, yeah, I too. Like, I don't need to say a lot on this. You kind of shared your thoughts on it as well. I'm I'm interested to see what happens with Hangman Page. And Matt Hardy, because I really thought Hangman Page was going to join uh, Dark Order. Yeah, yeah, that's that's uh, that's my only hesitation on this storyline. It's like I really wanted them to do something with him and Dark Order past, well, him breaking the Dark Order's heart, which going again uh, back to BTE, Mama Anna J told a uh, drunk hang, uh, Hangman Page to take his bottle and get the fuck out of the Dark Order's life. So, so mm-hmm. that was. That's a little sad. That's a great promo that Anna cut on BTE. Yeah, holy though. shit, like, that was so awesome. good. A- Anna it, Jay's it, gonna it, be a player. Oh, dude, it's so and it's just like not stupid, like in a bad way, but it's just like stupid to think about like how green she is. Like, like, like she's she's like a decade younger than us, dude. Anna. Which, which, which I, I don't, I, know. Know, I don't know if that's a compliment on, on her or, or a old. slam against us. Oh my God. And we're, we're just, old. we're just old dudes oh rambling about wrestling, but, uh, I don't trust. I don't <laughs> think anybody should trust big money, Matt. Oh no. Uh, <laughs> I, so. I even love how hangman is like, I'm not going to sign one of your carny contracts. Settle down. <laughs> like everybody just, knows he's a massive freaking carny, but they're still not smart enough to jettison his ass into orbit. <laughs> <laughs> I'm just getting dressed because you asked me to come in here and get dressed. Like, I'm not signing a contract. Like, he clearly learned from watching the Bucks get uh, bamboozled on that locker room. Yep, uh-huh. Uh, but, you know, it, that did the job I needed to do. It was like a five-minute match. Uh, Luther got his check because he's Jericho's buddy. Oh, boy. And uh, there you go. Uh, that Lumberjack match Ooh. was the tits. I mean, I mean, it, it was fun, but, like, at the same time, it's like, Lumberjacks maybe do a better job because, like, I mean, I get it. It's a wrestling match, and 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 fighters gonna fight, and lovers gonna love, and I don't even want none of the above. I'm gonna poop on you. But uh, like at one point, like it seemed like everybody on the outside was just fighting each other, and both Lance Archer and Eddie Kingston, like, the fuck's going on? Oh, that's one thing that AEW needs to tighten up. They don't do a good job uh, with their lumberjacks. Like, I mean, at one point, uh. The Butcher and the Blade just flat pulled Lance Archer out of the ring. Like, yes. come on now. Like, like look. 
And then, if they if they do that at the end of the match, because like Archer's going to cover Kingston, and there's gonna be a three count, and then they interfere, and like that advances the storyline. But they did it like two minutes into the match. Not to mention the bunny just randomly standing in the ring for what felt like five minutes at one point in the match. I'm not gonna get too mad at the bunny man. She can do what she wants. <laughs> I mean, I mean, but but uh, like between that and her laugh, it's like ah, it's like, dude, when she thought she was gonna get the the plaque, oh my, that was hilarious. <laughs> she was like, like she sold that so well, she was freaked out. But I just like Lance, I just like watching Lance Archer beat the crap out of people. Absolutely, like, yes. If they had nothing else, if they didn't have anything for Lance Archer that week, if they just went and go like find a side of beef for him to punch, like <laughs> I would be cool with that. But like, like, like the beef and makes like, an entrance, and then halfway through his entrance, everybody dies, and here comes Lance Archer, just beats the fuck out of the meat. Yeah, pretty much. I mean, I'd get behind that. By the way, speaking of like. If I had one thing to take away from this beach break of Dynamite, AEW's production, if I'm going to give WWE and Kevin Dunn shit for their screw-ups, y'all need to tighten your stuff up because there was one point in this match where Jake the Snake Roberts got physical, got involved, and y'all missed it. Like, yeah, like if they wouldn't have said something about a commentary, you would have missed it in yeah, the corner. Yeah, like, like you wouldn't or, have even known it. Like, like, and then again, we're going to get to this segment here in a second of uh, the the wedding between yes. uh, Kip Sabian and uh, and Penelope Ford. If you like, if uh, if the production and the camera had kept it tight on Miro, we never would have seen Chuck Taylor messing with his ankle. So we knew we were going to get something. I thought we were going to get like his his shoelaces were tied together or something stupid like that. And, and, and I know one of these uh, common complaints against AEW is all these people uh, pooling up around uh, the front of the ring while somebody can go do a suicide dive. If that spot's coming, stay on the people outside of the ring. Don't even show the inside of the ring until the very last sec second when this person comes flying in and just barrels these people over. It's like, or just don't show the people outside the ring. Like, be tight on the people, the guy coming off the ropes or whatever. Like, I don't know. Fantastic. Like, yeah, that would work too. It's like, y'all have a, a million dollar production backing you when it comes to the Turner or, Network. Or like, even little small things like going back to the wedding segment of you see the production crew like finishing putting the set together and then like they go to JR and uh, uh, Excalibur to like run through like the rest of the card or like tease matches that are coming up. Like go straight to them. Don't do the shot in the ring. And then they go to the picture in picture after the segment and the picture in picture is focused on the ring and the crew cleaning up the ring. Like mm -hmm. you gotta like, like if you, you don't see that shit. If I go to a Broadway show, like if I go see Hamilton, like I don't see them like making the set change. Yeah, they pull the lights down for that stuff. As somebody who who has some uh, experience in musical theater, when the techies are coming out to change the set, guess what? Black lights go down, play music, show, uh, take the attention literally anywhere else from what they're doing on stage. And look, like I'm not killing them for this, but if we're going to be fair and we're going to critique little little sloppy things that WWE does, exactly. And we're gonna we're gonna give we're gonna give people credit. We're gonna give people criticism. Like just tighten up that production a little bit. Right, look, 
it's very hard to do. Oh yeah. But like like you said, you have a huge budget uh from uh TNT to be able to do it. So uh, there you go. Anyway, I mean, yes, yes, um, we're we're not meaning to be overly critical, but Rab and I, it, we it, we both know how to produce live entertainment stuff, and 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 we know how hard it is. But at the same time, it's like like come on, y'all, like like you're a million dollar, billion dollar corporation. Tighten it up. You can do better. Tight, just, just tighten it up a little bit. It's just little small things that take away from the illusion of it. Mm-hmm. Like, quite honestly, I would have gone film that wedding segment on a beach somewhere in Jacksonville instead of having to set that shit up in the ring. But that's just me. Oh, my God. That would have been so much better. Anyway, uh, so I I liked uh, the it. Look, I just like the Archer Kingston feud because those dudes just beat. Oh, my God. Yeah. Like, like. And I like watching dudes throw taters at one another. Yeah. And Lance Archer's awesome. And I liked him as a heel. He's kind of this tweener face character right now. Oh, I I disagree. I think he's a full-blown face at this point, especially with what we saw yeah, at we, the end of the card. The way he's a, let he's me a tell you, he's kind of making that turn. Oh, buddy, I am so on board for a face Lance Archer. We kind of saw this, uh, the beginnings of it, or at least him starting to roll down that side of the hill at uh, Winter is Coming. Uh, like, ever since then, like, big strong angry motherfucker that's coming out like 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 the like the sword of vengeance i love yeah. what they're doing with Lance Archer right he's got now. the good you know, he's got the good he's got the good theme song he's got the everybody dies uh moniker <laughs> no, like it's the- all the stuff you need that the fans can get be- get behind and be like excited about and like if they want to see sing his theme song i don't have to scold them like i have to do when everybody still sings judas, judas yeah it's like, even like, though chris jericho's a damn heel by the way his theme song totally sounds like uh bon jovi uh like like just listen to it everybody dies it's now or never I ain't gonna live like like <laughs> speaking i swear speaking. to god it, 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 it it's a bon jovi song <laughs> Uh, speaking of uh, theme music, there's been some interest, interesting tweaks uh, recently to some theme songs. Boy, has uh, there. Some good, some not so good. Uh, I hate to just poop on Cody Rhodes, but everything he does right now is doo-doo. Yeah. Talk about and being that, Like, Kingdom is such a good song, and then you... Be, it's like, dude, you don't have to... Number one, you don't have to have every bell and whistle. And number two, just because you're trying to cross-promote the Go Big Show, which is the extreme America's Got Talent and probably sucks balls. And will be canceled uh, after one season. Yeah. Having Snoop rap in the middle of your song and, like, it's not even... Like, the way it's mixed together, it wasn't even mixed good. Like, I mix audio for a damn living. I know. Like, you did not do that well. And you ruined a really good theme song because Kingdom by Downstate is really, really good. Like, I blare that crap at the gym. Mm -hmm. Like, I like, like, they make good wrestling theme songs. And you kind of, like, ruined the one good thing you had, which was your entrance song. So, uh, that said, it's not exactly my cup of tea, but a lot of people digging the Judas. Oh, yes, yes. M. Judas F, baby. Like, apparently, like, I didn't realize this until I heard it. Uh, for the first time, it is in, in the same key or same pitch. I think it works amazingly. Like, like it, uh, it, it slaps, as the kids say. Um, uh, you were talking about how it's, uh, it, it's not a good mix job of uh, 
downstate song with Cody, which is disappointing because generally AEW's music is top freaking notch. But this to me, it's like, I don't know how long MJF and Jericho are going to be teaming, but I will always have the M Judas F song because I love that thing. It is so damn cool. See, to me, it's kind of like cold pizza. Like cold, like cold pizza, aka good the best pizza. breakfast. Yeah, it makes good breakfast, but <laughs> it's not it, it's not my favorite. Like I understand it kind of like helps because like you don't have to have the separate interest for both of them. But like, well, hell, this week we saw seven people enter to that damn song. Yeah, and then the acclaim starts like rapping over him, which that was great. Yeah, like, I oh don't my like god, the, I, I don't. Yes. I, I, the 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 acclaimed are just like I think they're d bags, but like they're really good at being d bags. Like after this past week with the rap they cut, it's like, oh my god, did they just turn face because they just totally buried MJF and Jericho? Like I think this is the best that the acclaimed looked. Like oh my god, this tag division is so damn deep. It's so good. So yeah, the, I, I think the the ma- the music uh, edits and the mashups are a little hit hit or miss, but uh, the Judas MJF matchup mashup is much better than whatever the heck Cody's doing. Which speaking of, let's just get it out of the way. We don't need to spend more than fifteen seconds on this. I don't give a rat's ass about Cody Red Velvet versus Shaq Jade. Like, I'm, I mean, it's oof. it's like, happening. <laughs> And I'm sure that uh, Turner Broadcast Network is super happy about the uh, cross promotion or as if I'm going to use a corporate term, synergy. And everybody, when I say synergy, you have to interweave your fingers together to show the synergy between uh, the TNT on or rather the NBA on TNT and AEW Dynamite and the big show or big go show thingamajig. I, I just really don't care. It's like, I loved the promo package that they had for uh, Jade Cargill because she looked, keyword looked, like a million bucks. But unfortunately, at some point, she has to pick up a microphone and get in the ring. And I, like, I, holy Christ. I, ugh. And by the way, this has been moved to, to, to TV, like on Dynamite. Like, this is the go-home uh, heading into Revolution. It's no longer a pay-per-view match. Now, this happens to be because uh, TNT is going to be airing the NBA All-Star Game on uh, the 7th of March. But I, like, I, oh, but. It's not a pay-per-view worthy match no. other than the names involved. It is just, like, we were talking, again, Ugh. we are talking about this. And I'm going to keep this brief. We were talking about this before we went on the air. It's so disappointing with Cody because he has to overbook Dude, yes. everything. And he always has to take the big spotlight match. And it's like you're trying not to be dusty or you use that in kayfabe in the storyline to announce you wouldn't challenge for the world championship if you lost to Jericho, then you lost. And I look, I know eventually they're going to find a way around that, but I still think it's stupid because like... I would have not held it against it if at some point Cody became the world champ, if he's the best damn wrestler on the planet. Which he definitely and, has has the potential to be because it's like, I love watching him in the ring, but it's like, dude, like you were overbooking yourself to death. You're turning into and, Triple H light. 
And then, like, he can't decide if he wants to be a face, face or a heel. heel. Oh, my God. And he talks about, oh, well, I'm just, you know, I'm not, I should turn or whatever, and I'm not going to do it. But he's trying to be a face, but he has so much about him that ma- makes him a heel. Mm-hmm. Like, because he's so arrogant about himself. And it's like, make up your mind what you want to be. Like, you're j- Cody Rhodes just like as a wrestling fan like I want to like Cody I think he's I don't know like it seems like he's probably doing a good job as an executive because you hear him talk about ideas and things he wants to do and his psychology and his view on wrestling like talking about with Jericho hey you know one of these days you should pay attention to picture in picture because somebody's going to get pinned during picture in picture and that's brilliant Mm -hmm. because what's one of the wrestling rules Oh, well, don't do your good stuff during during the commercial because nobody will see it. Guess what? You're going to come back from a Dynamite commercial one day and, like, some shit's going to have gone down. That's brilliant. Yep. But at the same time, a person who's smart enough to see that can't read the room and realize they're overbooking themselves. Like, Cody, keep it simple, stupid. And I'm not calling you stupid. I'm just using the whole kiss analogy. It's like Cody clearly has a mind for the business. I mean, it's in his lineage, but it's like – Right now, it's like we talked earlier with like, you know, we were afraid that the uh, that the office was going to book themselves into the main event talking about the Bucks uh, taking on the Good Brothers. Thankfully, it didn't play out that way. But it's like Cody just it seems like step after step after step after step. There's like always a gimmick or there's always a manager or there's always a new song or there's always a over bloated entrance or something. And it's like I'm the only one who could come out the center of the Titan Tron, the Tony Tron. Like, come on. Dude. Yes, that like oh, you're that t- right like there. you're telling oh me God. if Sting said he wanted to walk out the center of the thing, Sting wouldn't be in AEW because you wouldn't let him. Like, shut up. If anybody should be coming out of that thing, it should be your world heavyweight champion. It should be Kenny Omega right now. Which, by the way, that would make way more sense since he has two sweeper girls at the very uh, front of the Dadgum ramp. He comes out directly in between them. Just me, though, but, like, Cody, I love you. I'm so glad that you decided to bet on yourself and we get this all-elite wrestling stuff, but it's like, Bubby, keep it simple. Come on, baby. Yeah, because, like, here's the thing. Like, I can understand it. I can read through it and still understand he's trying to be a face character. My wife is the most casual of wrestling fans. She will watch with me occasionally. She might watch an hour. She might watch the whole show. She might go watch whatever... City, the Real Housewives is in this week. Whenever that comes on, it happens to usually be on Wednesday nights. Uh, but she'll watch occasionally. As soon as Cody's music hits, she knows who's coming out. And she's like, oh, that's that douche with the neck tattoo. <laughs> so guess what, dude? You're not getting over. You're not. Because, like, the most casual fan knows you as a douche with blonde hair and the neck tattoo. And she goes, Cody even looked better with black hair. So she wanted heel Cody. And she's like the most casual wrestling fan. I mean, she also doesn't understand why Darby Allen's popular, but, you know, uh, I'm working on it. Well, I'm trying I mean, to explain it to her. Now that you mentioned the whole Darby Allen thing, like, like we can pivot to the whole Darby Allen and Sting and Team Taz thing. Am I'm I, getting sick of Team Taz. Well, I was, I'm, I'm actually going to go the other way. I'm kind of getting sick of... The way AEW has been using Sting. I still like Darby Allen. I still am glad that the icon Sting is in AEW. Um, 
they're kind of stretching this storyline out with Team Taz a little bit too much, but the whole thing's getting tired. On both sides, it's everybody's fault it's getting uncreative at this point. Okay, yeah, I can I can see that because it's like, it seems like Team Taz is cutting the same promo week after week after week after week, and somehow there's now five members of Team Taz because his boy Hook is part of the team. Which, by the way, you remember when uh, Brian Cage was brought in as a monster? Yeah, he's now in the background with with the other muscly dude, uh, Will Hobbs. Like, it really feels like it's Taz, Ricky Stark, and the rest of the crew. And then on the flip side, like, like I don't get me wrong, I I marked the hell out when Sting showed up on the Winter Is Coming edition of uh, Dynamite. But since then, it really feels like they've ran him out and shown him. And oh my God, this week Sting is going to talk. And he says like two lines that are mostly the same that he sees a lot in Darby and he's here to mess stuff up and step back into the jungle. And then he gets interrupted mid promo. Yes. Or that's, or, or that's literally the end of the promo and, and, and ski of marks out saying it's Sting, And it's like, like, don't get me wrong. I'm still excited that sting is a back in wrestling B more importantly back in AEW. But it's like, I, uh, Less might be more in this instance, unless you're going to have yeah. Sting do something awesome, do something like impactful. Maybe don't run him out every week to do just fucking nothing. That's just me, though. I'm not a booker. I'm just an idiot talking into a microphone on the Internet about wrestling. You can do a vignette. You can do a backstage interview. You don't have to give a whole segment to Sting and have the snow and ski of yelling, Sting! Yeah, it's just it's it's getting stale. And like I understand he's old. Like Sting's not gonna be offended that I called him old. The dude's the dude's old. <laughs> like he's not gonna be in the ring every week. He came back, he talked about it in interviews. He came back to kinda do cinematic matches. Like that's why they're booking him in a street fight at Revolution. That's the type of stuff he wants to do. He's gonna pick his spots. But like Stop doing the same segment. Yes. Every week. Every Enough day. said about that. Let's talk about the biggest news to come out of Beach Bash. So it was good enough that we got a six man tag that featured Kenny the Cleaner Omega, the Good Brothers, the Big LG, and Carl Anderson. Uh and that rat bastard Don Callis who bores the piss out of me. <laughs> Man, you versus like, John like, Moxley. Like, hold on, and hold Death on. Triangle. We're shooting here for a second. You legit do not like Don Callis. Okay, so it's not Uncle Jay territory. <laughs> but the fact that you have it's to not Jim Cornette territory. I, I told you in a text I said I don't know what Don Callis is like off camera. I know that Jim Cornette's a piece of shit off camera. <laughs> And sometimes on camera. Yup. But Don Callis' character bores the piss out of me. Because it's just like such a bad cliche. And at this point, I'm not sure that Kenny Omega really needs him. Not that I have a problem with people doing doing business for their buddies. And getting Don a gig because his time with Impact Wrestling is coming to an end. But like. Kenny Omega probably could be just as good of a heel without him. So he's just kind of there. I thought it was hilarious. He grabbed the microphone from the dapper yapper, 
Justin Roberts last night, and as he was starting to cut his promo, it faded to black and went to commercial. That was the best <laughs> promo ever. <laughs> but no, like, like it was cool. Like he showed up at Revolution to call the match, and then he was there for the Omega Moxley match, and he helped. He kind of helped Omega win the title. But like the whole invisible hand gimmick and acting like he's God's gift to wrestling, and that uh, Kenta showing up because Don Callis made it happen because he's he he's again God's gift to wrestling. Like fuck off with that. And that's my F bomb of the week. He can fuck off. I maybe have two because as Kenta as Kenta said uh, on the AEW exclusive. Oh yeah, because that's right. He showed up. By oh the way. yeah, holy shit! By the way, we're burying not the lead. only. Yeah. Not only did we have an awesome match because anytime Ray Phoenix is involved, God, and I always so immediately good. go to Twitter to see if Holly Anderson or Spencer Hall from Banner Society are going to be talking about it because they love Ray Phoenix because he's crazy, uh, and they love the Lucha Brothers because they're crazy. They're the best. Uh, not only was that like a six star match, seven if it would have been in the. It would have been Tokyo Dome Beach Break. Hold on, let that me check. That main event yep. was so damn good, and there was no outside interference. The Good Brothers got the pin. Clean in the middle. Mm. Then, in the post-match, like, John Moxley's trying to beat up Kenny Omega. There's some other stuff going on. Lance Archer comes out, because he isn't like the Good Brothers or whatever. Uh and he, he's got some beef with some various people. He does have a history in New Japan, so. Yes. And then uh, a masked assailant uh, puts John Moxley to sleep mm. and then reveals himself to be Kenta from New Japan, the number one contender for the IWGP U.S. Championship. <sighs> Holy shit. Um... Not, and then cuts a great promo on Kenny Omega in a web exclusive, which it was on Twitter. Why'd they bleep it out anyway? I don't know. The internet and sponsors. I Probably sponsors if we're being honored. Uh, honest. Probably because there's probably some kids that follow AEW on Twitter that shouldn't learn the F word. Yet. Yeah, handful. But I mean, like, like welcome to the internet. You're totally going to learn the F word. By the way, welcome to this podcast. Um, uh, <laughs> not only was the main event just a killer six-man tag match i loved the fired up baby face ray phoenix you already mentioned it uh pock looked like a million bucks john moxley looked like a world beater as he is uh the good brothers the nefarious smart tag team that were able to uh figure out ways like like get uh get the knees into the back as they came off the uh the ropes the uh the blind tags and then of course kenny omega is well Kenny Omega, he's the cleaner. He's he's the AEW World Heavyweight Champion for a reason. Fantastic match. Loved everything about it. And then, like of course, like most AEW uh, main events, break down into there was there was a big old schmoz. And then um, it looked like Moxley was about to go out standing on top, uh, talking, looking looking tall when when the credits hit. Then a masked man came out, and that masked man. Ended up being freaking Kenta from New Japan Pro Wrestling. Now, this is the part where we have to speculate. Is this just a build to their match for Moxley's defense of his New Japan Pro Wrestling U.S. Championship against Kenta? Uh, I think it is. 
There has been so much smoke going back and forth between AEW's version of the Bullet Club, of Nick Jackson, Matt Jackson, uh, Doc Gallows, uh, Carl Anderson, and Kenny Omega with shots fired across the sea to the New Japan version of the Bullet Club with your Switchblade Jay White, your Tamatanga, and everybody else involved. Hell, there were shots fired in this week's episode of uh, Being the Elite when when one of the Bucks asked, oh, wait, is evil in this group? Okay, then, then we're good. Like... Part of like I, I part of me does think this is just a work to uh, to the Moxley Kenta match, but where there's smoke, there's fire, good brother. That no, that is uh, true, but it doesn't mean you uh, couldn't have that other stuff uh, going on, and this is just it, it's not a. Uh, a long-term uh, partnership. Meltzer says uh, that uh, AEW and New Japan do have a working relationship because, according to him, a deal had to be worked out because Moxley needs to go defend that strap in New Japan. Mm-hmm. And so basically yep. the trade-off is, yeah, we'll let we'll let John go have a program with Kenta, but we want Kenta to appear on AEW. I mean, so that, like, that... Tony Khan's yeah. like, hey, yeah, we're cool with Moxley going to, to New Japan, but we want Kenta on, on Dynamite. I mean, yeah. Now, mm-hmm. Does that not mean that in the course of, hey, we got this working relationship and we're working on this storyline? Because, again, they haven't said when Kenta and, and Moxley are going to have their match, just that it's going to happen because uh, presu- Moxley says he wants to have the match in Japan. You can't do that right now. Nope. So in the meantime, you could totally have the Bullet Clubs uh, fight one another to keep, you know, you you could have that happen to keep Kenta around because he lives in Orlando and, and, and keep, you know, promoting the fact that, hey, Moxley's the IWGP uh, U.S. champion and, and he's eventually going to fight Kenta. So you could you could build some good storylines out of like a little small isolated uh, partnership because you know supposedly Impact and AEW are just supposed to be working together as a favor to Don Callis from Kenny Omega and now you know the uh, number one contender for the Impact Championship uh-huh. is uh, Private Party. So yeah, th- uh, that door's been kicked open on the Impact relationship, so to speak. But then as we saw. This past uh, Wednesday, the forbidden door, as was set up in uh, Jericho uh, and his whole endeavor in uh, Japan, maybe that has been kicked open. And and it's like I, it, like, what what you said about uh, Kenta being based in America makes it much easier for this to you know partake because I mean. Um, it's not like the Good Brothers and Kenny Omega can fly across the world to go fight uh, Jay White and uh, Gorillas of Destiny. But if you've listened to any uh, podcast of uh, the Good Brothers from the time they've got released uh, from WWE to now, they've mentioned several times an impact has a-okayed this as soon as the world opens up and we can go back to, mm-hmm. God willing, uh, some so- form of normalcy they're going to have some sort of relationship with New Japan. So, and, and I think once 
the 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 travel restrictions are lifted, they're not going to be the only guys who are big names going work with New Japan, and I, I think as far as AEW is concerned, instead of have like having like some formal agreement, I think it's just going to always kind of be on a case by case basis. Because you know what did Moxley go do right after he debuted at? The the first double or nothing, right? He went over to Japan. Yep. Before in between double or nothing and TV getting started, the bottom line's just going to be it, you're always going to have to get it approved by Tony Khan, and it's going to have to make sense for what Tony Khan works or or needs because first and foremost, your bread and butter has to be AEW television every week. Which, you can't which, get yourself in a bind and have your big stars off of television because they went to New Japan and got tied up or hurt or whatever and that stuff can happen anyway but it makes sense for John Moxley Kenny Omega if the Young Bucks want to go do something although I don't know if the Young Bucks in New Japan have the best relationship um, I, I mean like, like Japan, I, yeah there's there there might be some, legit some smoke to that fire but at the same time wrestling is a carny business and carnies business, just want to make money work, so if you can work out business AEW's always going to have relationships with other organizations that they think is going to benefit them. You know what makes John Moxley look like a legitimate badass? That he was not only the AEW world champion, but that he holds a, a belt in New Japan. And it's the same thing that you got a good rub in the women's division by partnering with, with NWA. And you're getting uh, good stuff coming out of the crossover with impact in AEW. So as long as it makes good business sense, I think TK is going to do it. Yep. TK is a businessman, but I also appreciate he can uh, appreciate kayfabe as we've seen with his, uh, the following announcement has been paid for by AEW wrestling. Uh, Those are so good. Yeah. That's stuff on impact wrestling. And also if you remember uh, somebody at the last pay-per-view in the uh, uh, press scrum asked him if John Moxley was going to be able to defend his uh, New Japan Pro Wrestling U.S. Championship against Kenta. He says, no, no, don't think that's going to happen. And then lo and behold, here we are. But uh, holy crap. I, I'm telling you, I would not be surprised. I know they want to do it in Tokyo. I know that Moxley wants to go to Japan and have that match and have it at one of the big cards. Yeah, a lot of people want to do a whole in lot the, of stuff, but the, guess what? The world's on the fire. the Tokyo Dome, so. if the world doesn't let that happen, I would not be surprised. I'm not saying it's going to be at Revolution, but a lot can happen between now and, and March. Ooh. It may not be at Revolution. It may be at Double or Nothing. It may be at a big Dynamite show. If push comes to shove and, and New Japan can work it out and it's like, hey, yeah, we'll let you defend that belt at Dynamite and there may be a title change, there may not, but we're going to have a return match in Japan and make things even at one point. I've said Ooh. it every time you have interpromotional matches, it's good for the sport of wrestling to not act like the WWE does, that their universe and their canon is the only thing that exists. It's like the old territory days when Ric Flair would go, Ric Flair would go uh, defend the championship in Mid South because Bill Watts, even though he wasn't in the NWA anymore, had a good relationship with the board. And the same thing in the Memphis territory, there wasn't an NWA territory in Memphis. There was the Lawler promotion, and uh, they would work with the AWA or the NWA and have cross promotional matches and 
Uh, even sometimes, you know, Jerry Lawler would hold the AWA championship or whatever. It was good for business because it put both sides over and it made both companies look more legitimate. And in all honesty, it's like, at the end of the day, if every promotion can look taller or look better than they did when they entered it, I think that would be the best outcome because, like, that's that, that's the only thing that I've uh, I've ever realized when it comes to like uh, interpromotional battles. It's like somebody has to quote unquote take the loss, but I'm only most uh, familiar with the invasion angle where uh, where where WWC WCW got squashed by the WWE and you know they're bad booking. But um, yes, well, I mean if if j- we're not gonna th- if they have an IWGP championship match in in AEW on AEW television, whether it's a pay-per-view or otherwise, I don't think that's going to happen. Like, and like, I don't, th- I don't think it's going to happen, but if it were to happen, it's not going to make John Moxley look bad. If he loses to Kenta, if you book it the right way, no, absolutely. So not. it just makes everybody look better. It reminds me of like what I'd like to see AEWB and to a lesser extent, you know, their foreign partners with AAA and new Japan and occasionally working with impact. Neither one of us are big boxing fans, but, like, if you tune into boxing, so, like, there's different promoters. There's top rank. There's premier boxing champions. And they don't actually have their own championships. There's these different various, you know, IBF, WBA boxing uh, councils that are, again, set up like the NWA was back in the day. And they have their different champions but the promoters have contracts with different boxers. So, like, you tune into, like, a top-ranked card or a premier boxing champions card, and you might see titles defended from, like, six different organizations, but it's that promoter putting together a card and selling it to ESPN or selling it to Fox, and it gets better reach than that individual boxer can get negotiating his own contract. And that dynamic could be good for wrestling because when everybody works together and you put together good content, the rising tide lifts all the boats. Absolutely. And, like, I know this is crazy people talk. It's such a damn shame when it seems like every other wrestling company, major wrestling company in the world, other than WWE, is willing to play ball. Could you imagine if WWE decided to be like, okay, we're in, like, Holy crap. Of course, that'll never happen as long as nope. Vince McMahon is still alive. Um, Rab, this has been a damn good, fun episode of Near Fall Radio, if I do say so myself. But on the way out, how about you give the lovely listeners some ways that they can follow you outside of this podcast? Yeah, absolutely. Follow me on Twitter at Rabwill, R-A-B-B-W-I-L-L. I got the Off the Bench program Monday through Friday, 11 to noon on WCDT. Easiest way to listen to that is to go to WCDTradio.com, click on the on-air button, or download the TuneIn app and just search for WCDT. also have a podcast, uh, WCDT Radio. Look that up on the podcast platform where your choice. It doesn't matter if it's uh, Apple, Google, uh, Spotify. There's like 8 million podcast things, and I actually took the time to sign up for all of them. So uh, there you go. You can check that out on the podcast and uh, talk about the world of sports uh, every day, Monday through Friday, and got some other specialty shows that we do uh, talking about uh, high school sports and things of uh, that nature. 
Uh, that's all available on the podcast, too, so just go uh, check that out. Well, hot diggity daffodils, that sounds amazing. Follow me on Twitter, L-A-N-D-O-Z. Please go follow me, Landon Doan. I'm the best, Landon Doan, not the rest. That's where you can follow me on Twitter, 280 characters at a time. I also run a website, buttmunchchips.com, buttmunchchips. Sit on your button munch. Uh, that's where you can find really outdated podcasts like Game of Thrones talk where uh, me and a couple buddies just lose the will to live as we watch the last season of Game of Thrones. Some really outdated episodes of this podcast. And quite frankly, the only reason I still plug it is because I got auto renewed into the URL. So, uh, yeah. <laughs> questionable business decisions have been had in the uh, Casa de Does, but in lieu of that I invite you to go to the uh, iTunes store and if you're if you're not subscribed to this thing baby just go ahead and do it it's near fall radio it's me it's Rab it's you doing a five star review remember five stars or GTFO I also appear on the morning monorail podcast it was the Monday morning monorail podcast. Uh, it's now turned into a five day a week, Monday through Friday, Monday through Friday podcast, uh, daily stuff from the house of the mouse down in Orlando, Florida. Uh, you know, just good stuff like that. And, uh, I also appear on the Phil show news talk nine, eight, seven W O K I radio station, Locally here in East Tennessee, streaming 6 to 10 a.m. Eastern Standard Time at Newstalk987.com. Also available in the iHeartRadio app and the Newstalk987 app as well. And I now realize that my plugs are way too damn long. So, Rab, please take us out, my good friend. Appreciate everybody uh, joining us on the uh, podcast and bearing with us because it had been a while. It had been since our year in review show that we had done one. Uh, but life kind of just gets in the way sometimes. But uh, plenty of good wrestling stuff to talk about. We'll be back soon uh, as we're on the road to Revolution and uh, WrestleMania. Uh, continue to be safe. Be smart. As Cowboy uh, Adam Page says, uh, wear your damn mask. Wash your damn hands. Uh, you've been great. We've been here. Oh, my God.